gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 30 through 37, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1569, 1569. Glory to you, O Lord. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand They did not understand what he meant, and and they were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Now, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first, must be the very last and servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I, uh, I did title this uh, sermon, and it was hard to narrow it down to just one, but uh, the thread that I see through this is in the title and in, in throughout the um, Old Testament reading, the New Testament from James, and, and then, of course, the gospel according to Mark. But the title is this, Humble Up, You Are Not All That. But you are everything to the Father who loves you. Humble up. In our Old Testament reading, Jeremiah says, I had been like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. Let's paint a picture of what's going on here. Jeremiah was of uh, a priestly background. He didn't really know his uh, villagers as well as he probably thought he did, but in the village, in the area in which he lived, uh, things were on an uptick as far as the church was concerned. There was uh, uh, the new king, Josiah, who had started sort of a Uh, Well, it brought them back to their roots. How about that? Josiah's father was Ammon, and um, 
his grandpa was Manasseh, and both of these guys had led the uh, Jews to uh, idolatry and the worship of Baal, or Baal. They, um, they had greatly sinned against God in, in their leading of the people, and, and they're all of a sudden, they're putting, things are going pretty good. And so the villagers are, are listening to what Jeremiah has to say, and they've got some problems with him because he's being pretty harsh. He is preaching law. And they're, they're confused. They're saying, why are you upsetting things? We're back on track. And he continues on. The renewal wasn't the way God intended it. And so through his prophet, Jeremiah, he speaks. Now, the villagers were wondering, again, why are you so harsh? Why don't you give us credit for being better? At least we're not as bad as we used to. Have you ever heard that? Right? At least I'm not as bad as I used to be. They even said to him, to, in, in account, you are too extreme. And like men throughout the ages, whenever they disagree with something, somebody is going to be bad for business, they plotted to kill him. And Jeremiah was a little bit worried. He, uh, he beseeched the Lord. We know, he says, just kill me now at one point in time. He says, I'm the only one. I'm done. They want to kill me. Just get, get rid of me now. Now, in today's vernacular, we might, mirror, we might uh, hear things like uh, prosperity gospel or um, many roads lead to, right? <laughs> they don't. Nobody's confused on that in here. But the fact that ties us together as the human creatures, we don't want the law. We don't want someone to tell us that we are lacking. We don't want anyone to tell us that on our own, you're not good enough. Because we're the greatest. Right? Legend in my own mind. You heard that, right? We... We want to say, well, I'm a good person. I do more good things than I do bad things. Does that get you to heaven? No. No. And even to the point where we see, and it's throughout ages, truth is subjective. Is truth subjective? No. If it ain't the whole truth, ain't. If it is not the whole truth, it's a lie. Omission. However, some tie-ins in here. Jesus said, a prophet has no honor in his own country. John 4.14, Jeremiah was feeling that. His own villagers are saying, I know you. I know your past. You're not so great. What gives you the authority to speak these words? Oh. No honor in your own country. In fact, Jesus could have said, you have no honor in your own family. His brother James, from which the lesson came this morning, he didn't uh, honor his brother. Theologians throughout time have said that um, it was pretty rough 
in uh, his household growing up. In fact, we have that one historical account where Jesus, his mother and his sisters and his brother come to the house of where he has been, where he is, and it's so crowded they can't get in. Do you remember this? And, and someone says, hey, uh, Lord, your mom and, and your sisters and your brothers are here. And he says, who is my mother? Who is my brothers and my sisters? Those are the ones who listen to me, who do what the Lord and what the Father has sent me. To tell you. This is the thing. They were at that door. Theologians say why they went to that door was Jesus is making people mad going throughout the countryside telling the truth. Telling the truth according to the one who sent him. Their, their focus was, man, you're the oldest brother. You need to take up the family business. You're out camping all over the place, traveling and visiting everybody, and my goodness, having meals with sinners. You need to be home, kid. We're going to take you now, and he, he, he rejected that. That is what the human creature wants to do. The human creature wants to rely on what they know or what they think is the right way to be. However, what we find out is that God did protect Jeremiah as promised, they didn't get him. He protected him. We hear from Paul, he says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's 2 Timothy 3.12. And here's the thing. That doesn't really sound like a great invitation, by the way, does it? Hey, hey, hey follow Jesus, you're going to be persecuted. People hate you for his name. Yay, sign me up, right? Well, here's the thing. The enemy is not you. The enemy is not me. The enemy was not Jeremiah. The enemy was not Paul or Peter or any of the others who believe in Christ. The enemy to the world is God. They're rejecting that word. Why? Because it pokes them in a place that they can't comfort. The truth that's not subjective. The truth that pierces and it pierces you and me, doesn't it? When law is properly applied and the Holy Spirit is doing unto you as he's supposed to, as you read, as you hear the word. Jesus also said this, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. He who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Luke 10, 16. It's dangerous to refuse forgiveness. It is dangerous to reject Jesus. And you haven't. I am the greatest. <laughs> I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. Cassius Clay. No, wait a minute. That's Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Same guy, right? I pity the fool. I'm the greatest. Mr. T? Most of all Hollywood? Oh, I am quite valuable and wonderful, right? At the country club? Biff Muffy. 
uh, included in this list the apostles. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, my mom said I was the greatest. My mom just talked to the big guy right now. We're going to sit on his left and his right, right? We're going to drink of his cup. Include you and me into that, into that list. I'm the greatest. Oh, I may not go out and toot it, but I'm, I'm pretty good to myself. If you wonder if you don't think you're the greatest, let me ask you this. If you're in a group picture, who do you look for first? Oh, yeah. But let me ask you this. For Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali, for Mr. T, for most all of Hollywood, the apostles, you and me, where from did these gifts come? You know, theologians are guilty of this too. Theologians really need to humble up. And James is, is remarking in, the, in his letter today about that too because they can cause division. That's why through my seminary experience, boy, did I grasp on to the simplicity of the cross and Christ and him crucified. Christ and him crucified. That's what we proclaim. It's as simple as that little song, and I'll say it one more time. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible and my mom told me so. Keep it simple, guys. In fact, theology that does not lead to proclamation, in other words, all the wealth in this brain and all of the wealth in all those theologians' brains means nothing if in their message it doesn't drive proclamation, and that is, you need Jesus. Here is Jesus in the sacrament of baptism, in the holy sacrament of the altar. Here is Jesus in confession and absolution. You're not so great, but in the eyes of the Father, you are everything. And that's pretty great. In fact, it leads me to this idea too, that a man that is wrapped up in himself makes for a small package. Isn't that true? So rather than being all about me, which is my nature, we are being exhorted today to be outward focused, to be upward focused. When Jesus is foretelling his death and his resurrection while he's with the boys, they didn't get it. Did you read that part? Did you hear that? It says, but they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask. Have you ever been in a, in a conversation or a meeting or something, and somebody's saying something to you, and they ask you, you know what I mean? You go, mm-hmm but you had no idea what was going on? Well, that's what happened with the boys. They didn't get it. So instead of saying, and they should have, they should have said, Jesus, I don't get it. I don't know where Thomas was in this one, but I don't get it. 
They should have been like the Ethiopian eunuch. How can I understand if there's nobody here to, under, uh, to explain it to me? But they didn't. So they filled the vacuum, that moment, that awkward silence, you know, as they're walking to something that they knew all about themselves. And so they argued about, no, nah, I'm the greatest. No, you know, I, I, that would seem like a short conversation, but I don't know if you've ever had somebody hold court with you that was telling you about how great they are. You know, it goes on and on and on and on. And then I kind of wait for the part that they say, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? I think my dog has a headache and I got to go home. Who is the greatest? And so Jesus rather, and he could have bluntly just railed them because he knew what was in their hearts and what they were thinking, and he didn't. He could have just absolutely, but that's not the nature of God, and that's not the nature of the Lord who walked with us to show, you know me, you know the Father. So what does he do? He invites them to to confess. Really, I didn't read that part, Pastor Ken. Well, yeah, he did. When they got to the house, he asked them, what were you guys discussing on the way? Discussing. <laughs> I don't know. I would, it, I would have loved to have heard it, wouldn't you? But I can imagine. It was probably pretty spirited discussion, right? An argument. Heart fe- hurt feelings. You know, nobody won. Everyone's upset. He asked them, what were you discussing? And again, they kept silent. You ever asked uh, your kids, or like, I can look at our puppies now. I go, what did you do? And they go, well, I can't speak, but I can read body language. And I know they did something they weren't supposed to do. Same with kids. What did you do? So rather than rail on them, he says to them, he gives them an example of a child. He took a child from amongst them. And he put it right there, it, him or her. And he said, whoever receives one such child in the name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Anyone remember how God chose to save the world with a little baby? A child? You accept that child, you accept me. No, not just me, but the one who sent me. It's not that, that difficult. And, and if you notice the operative word there is, you're not in there other than to receive. Oh, my great works don't count, right? What do I have to do? Receive. What must I be, what must I do to be saved? Repent, be baptized. Not a lot of work in that. You're receiving. It's a gift. Jesus came to us as a baby. Jesus came as a gentle lamb. Jesus, who said, him who sent me. You receive him when you receive me. The people in Jeremiah's time didn't realize that they needed God. They were relaying on their own understanding. And they were mad when somebody had the audacity 
to tell them that they weren't right without God. And the disciples had the audacity to think that the the privilege that, that God and that Jesus had given them by being his chosen disciples, right, chosen, they thought that that somehow merited them greatness. And it doesn't. Not any more than God choosing you and you sitting here today makes you great or me great. But the flesh wants to do that. The flesh wants to add a couple of, of rules to, to, to the already perfect law. Well, I'm pretty nice. I went to church, read my Bible, even prayed. Not just for myself, but, you know, somebody else that really needs it, right? We take this beautiful gift that we have received and somehow we make it about us. And God knows that. And God says, you need my son. And Jesus says, here I am in the baptism. When the word and the water combined with the faith that was given to you, the Holy Spirit was imparted to you the day you are baptized, you walk wet for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. A deposit was put into you, the Holy Spirit, that promise that he is always with you, never forsakes you, that assurance of the already but not yet, the assurance that, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm the greatest. Forgive me and help me be humble, Lord, because I know I need to be humble with the fact that stripped of this flesh that says, I'm the greatest. When I enter into heaven and you enter into heaven, we will be shocked of this, this, this body of death. And then we enjoy the already, but not yet. That's great. That's something to boast about. We boast in what he has done for us not in what we do for him. This is a message for those that are already in the body. These are hard words. These are not words that I would stand in a street corner and and ask people if they knew Jesus. This is something, this this is meat that you are being fed here. This is more than just little milk. This is meat. This is, the, this is the tension that we have for the rest of our lives. God knows what we're gonna do. God knows that we're gonna do it. God saw his uh, disciples, Jesus' disciples do it. God made a way to overcome it, not on our own, but clothed in Christ. Our sins are forgiven. Today, we're going to meet at the table together, hand in hand, plenty of room at God's table, and we're going to celebrate Christ, take him at his word, my body given for you, my blood shed for you, for the forgiveness of sins and salvation, everlasting life. We take him at his word. He passes over our lips, and we are clean from the inside out. We need Jesus. Here is Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.